Welcome to the Life Well Done Podcast. Optimizing physical, mental, and emotional being. Challenge plus change equals growth. Growth, 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 growth. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Life Well Done Podcast. Uh, super excited today. I've got a good friend of mine from college on. He's a doctor of physical therapy, Dr. Eric Broadworth. Um, before we kind of break into that whole thing, I want to make sure everybody knows to find me uh, for Life Well Done. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, most active on Facebook and Instagram, though. Uh, just type in Life Well Done. A um, couple of things coming up, hopefully, for that new year. Uh, pretty excited to announce a lot of things. Um, as if you've listened to any of this, you know that the mindset is, is a huge component to the things that I'm passionate about, but um, more importantly, it's, it's physical and, and, and uh, nutritional health um, made put together with spiritual and mental health. So, um, But I'm pretty pumped. I'm trying to get everything uh, put together, website coming, and hopefully by the first of the year, we will have virtual training going. So um, be sure to look for us. Find us on YouTube, iTunes. Obviously, if you're listening to this, try and subscribe, rate, comment. Spread to your friends. Uh, you never know who's looking for some kind of positivity. Hopefully, it's coming across as positive or just trying to enhance it or change your life, whatever it might be. Um, but nevertheless, go find us. Share some comments. Comment on the posts. Uh, let me know what's going on, what you're struggling with, what you're uh, succeeding with, what you're trying new, what's old, um, some goals for the future. And obviously, if you have any nutritional um, fitness goals that you're looking to get help with, definitely send me a message. That's what I'm passionate about. Um, but other than that, guys, make sure to hit me up. And without uh, any more, I'll continue to introduce Dr. Eric Broadworth. He's, uh, he's a good friend of mine, known for about 10 years. You guys are hearing the recording today that uh, um, we're talking about a lot of concussions uh, to start, um, something that I'm clearly very close to. It's uh, kind of what probably put me onto a lot of this path. Um, struggle with concussions in my life from hockey, but uh, he's got some great insight as to what we're looking for now in diagnosis and return to play or just general uh, things in life. How do, how do we get back to work, school, whatever it might be. So if you're a parent, it might be uh, beneficial if you have young athletes or if you are an athlete yourself or you get in a car accident. Um, some good information there. Uh, and then we go into some def, uh, some movement, um, corrective movement stuff. Um, Eric, uh, I always call him Bun. This is his nickname from college, but uh, Dr. Broadworth, He's a, he's a terrific guy, super hardworking with everything he does, um, really well-researched, and uh, the, corrective, uh, the stuff we talked about with corrective movements is super awesome today. Um, really easy to follow, uh, even if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see a little demonstration through the video, but uh, definitely be sure to hit him up. All his contacts will be in the podcast, um, but uh, search Fuel Physical Therapy and Dr. Eric Broadworth on Instagram and Facebook, but you can always go to my page and I'll have it linked through this, uh, the posting. And uh, yeah, look at whole, uh, give us some feedback. Hope you guys enjoy this one. And uh, so here we go. Life well done with Dr. Eric Broadworth. All right, and we're live. What's up, bud? How are you? Eric, Dr. Eric Broadworth. Now I have to be a yeah. to call you Dr. Eric Broadworth. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, man? Yeah, it's good, uh, good to see you and Man, yeah. we've been we've known each other for how long now? Was it ten years? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I met you probably. It had to be freshman year from hockey in Grand Valley, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that seems about right. So yeah, and like through that, like Brad, Nick, and all them, like folks and all of us, so it kind of just kind of yeah. Now I'm living together, so um, I'm super pumped to have you on. I know we were just talking off off air here and about all the things in the future we're looking forward to. Um, trying to, I'm trying kind of a new new way of introducing this, so. Um, I'll just give a short tidbit in case the, the intro doesn't go that well, but, uh, 
I know you from Grand Valley, you're a doctor of physical therapy, um, doing tons of things, kind of breaking the, the mold of what uh, I think most people think of physical therapists and trying to get a little bit more um, involved with the internet, right? That thing's, there, that thing's here to stay. It's going to change the way we live our lives. So we might as well abuse it and use it uh, as much as possible. So um, I guess I, let, let, I'll let you tell your story, uh, maybe a little bit how you went into physical therapy. Um, what you're doing a little bit today, and I know we're talking a little bit of concussion and, and uh, some movement, corrective movement, um, and why yeah, things. So yeah, absolutely. So um, I went to Grand Valley State University, as you know, that's where we met, and uh, really got into physical therapy because I loved sports, loved hockey, played that uh, my whole life growing up, and wanted to. I really liked anatomy and physiology and healthcare and helping people and wanted to kind of blend all that up together and stumbled across physical therapy and found that as a great way to get a degree that can help people and something that I'm really interested in and I have a passion for and it's really worked out pretty well. So since then I worked a little bit in West Bloomfield, Michigan, working with gymnasts, uh, elite level gymnasts. And so that was great working with them, a different type of patient population that I was used to seeing, um, moved back to Grand Rapids where I'm at now. And I work with a lot of athletes right now. I work for Novacare Rehabilitation as a center manager in Allendale. And I've also started up my own practice in Grand Rapids called Fuel Physical Therapy and Sports Performance. Um, both have been great. I deal a lot with uh, student athletes. So at Novacare, I'm dealing with Grand Valley Division II athletes. Um, we work we work with them specifically. Just got a contract there this year. And then with Novacare, or sorry, with uh, Fuel Physical Therapy and Sports Performance, which is just off um, it's kind of my uh, baby right now I've been working on in Grand Rapids, working a ton with athletes, CrossFitters and runners, and really breaking the mold and changing the PT game and how people perceive it. Um, working with active individuals, one-on-one -on -one only, uh, not using currently any techs or aids or anything like that. When you come in, you're seeing me and you're getting a specific plan and people are really, uh, getting better results, I would say with that, with when they can get one-on-one -on -one with me or getting better quicker sooner, um, because I think they have more direction right. and a lot more communication. So they have my cell phone number, they're texting me. Yeah, it's been a really good model. It's been very interesting. So really kind of changing the game there. Right, that, dude, that's so cool. And I remember, I remember when we were younger and we'd always talk, it always seemed like you and I had like really deep and like debating conversations about movement injury stuff like that and I was just thinking like I, I know he's going like he's tracking towards physical therapy at that time but I was just like what how are we doing this with the business because you you started a business fraternity right at Grand Valley no a social fraternity okay. yeah so, All right. so yeah. I thought there was a business component too but I was always like I don't know so it's cool that you're running into your own business I think that's probably the way way of the world of PT right now just because uh I don't know it seems like there's a lot of um difficulties in trying to practice the way you think your philosophy is uh, when you're underneath the umbrella of somebody else. Um, and that's one of the things that's actually turned me away from PT. And now talking with people like you, uh, the PT at the gym I'm at, you guys are very similar, at least, in, in trying to chase down your own, your own dreams, essentially, and, and treat the way you believe should be treated. And it's kind of re-energized me to think like, okay, PT is not the way, way I grew up to be treated. 
Um, you know, and you just brought that tech thing where it's like, I would go to physical therapy for my shoulder and I'd see the therapist and things were fine and I'd be working with a tech and the tech would say something. I'm like, that's not actually, like, that's not right. Like I know, I know more about the movement than what you're, what you're telling me. And this is not like, now I'm, I have a bill to pay after this. Like I can go to the gym and do this myself. Um, so always very frustrating. So I can appreciate um, why and, and probably the effort that it takes to kind of break the habits or the, the mindset of, how people view that that um, that career, that treatments, uh, you know, uh, modality. Um, it, it's an incredible thing. There's so many things coming out, and now you're now you're headed into the the wild world of of virtual. Physical, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So so then yeah, the other thing I didn't really touch on is doing telehealth consultations. So kind of what you were hitting on a little bit is video conferencing, just like we are. And using that, um, getting good results with people treating their pain and showing them how they can treat their, themselves, uh, it's something that is definitely newer. Uh, not a lot of physical therapists into it right now, but something that I've gotten into. And it's amazing stuff uh, being able to do that because you don't necessarily need to be in the room with the person. And sometimes you can get just as good results. Um, doing it just like this, which is awesome. Cause then you can see, you know, you as if you're the patient can see the professional one-on-one -on -one, know what to do. And you've got, you know, my sole attention right now. I'm, I'm not treating other people. I'm not emailing or on the phone. I'm talking with you. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's just, I mean, everything in the world right now is how do we, how do we make our time more efficient? And, uh, but it's just, there's something to be said, there's a confidence boost that when you're working with the actual physician, the doctor, you know, whatever, whoever the expert is supposed to be in that situation, it feels better when you're working with them rather than their person. Um, oh, absolutely. There's a mindset that goes to, to rehab. There's no question about it, but even more so, like even as a trainer, I always say like my, if you want to stay the, the, if you want to have a lifetime workout with me, that's great. Cause I need to pay my bills, but my goal is not to keep you for 10 years. My goal is to, teach you everything that I think you is valuable and then make it to your decision of whether you keep training with me in one-on-one. -on -one. But as a, to me, like the best teachers are the ones that get their students to go out into the world. And like, I got this, I can do this on my own. I can be free. I can make it happen. And you can always come back for consults. You know, like right. um, I think about that from psychotherapy. I think about that personal training, like same thing with coaching. You just like, right. I don't want assistance with me all the time. First of all, I need different, you know, I need different eyes. But like, yep. what does it say about me if you're not producing or progressing people, whether it's patients or athletes, or whatever it might be, onto the next thing? Um, you right. have all the answers, and it's important for everybody else to kind of gather them too. So um, I can yeah. definitely, definitely appreciate that that situation. But um, cool. I, I want to jump into the concussion talk. So yeah. you with me uh, is probably more if, if they've listened to the, any episode other than this yeah. one. Um, they know that I, I've struggled with my head injuries. Um, significant amount of them people always ask well, how many i don't know how do you keep counting anymore um the evaluation back in the day too you know when we were younger it wasn't good i mean i probably had several that uh, undiagnosed you get your bell rung and you got dad on the sidelines trying to say oh well can you follow my finger like he doesn't know what he's doing right. so it's yeah so, gratefully um or i guess uh, encouraging is that the whole idea of like even parents being involved, they've set a protocol 
whether it's right or wrong is yet to be seen, but at least they're trying to make awareness of it. Um, to me, one of the most frustrating things about concussion is people don't understand what it is. Um, yeah. and, and to me, you know, we're recording here day after day, where I'm yeah. it, right? So everybody just watched a whole bunch of football and you hear it right. probably every single game guy gets hit and you're like, well, he didn't even hit him in the head or they're doing great things with helmets. Well, here's yeah. the helmets are great protective for the skull. I'm sure there's certain technology that can help things, but until you really figure out how to suspend that brain inside of the skull, we don't have, we don't have an answer yet. Uh, you don't have to be hit in the head. It can be a force. It's whiplash. And now it's, it's just trauma to the brain because it's moving around inside the skull. So I, I don't know how, if that frustrates you, but it, it, it yeah. really irritates me. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely irritating and it's, something that it's gotten more press, which is good, but it's still not fully understood by the medical professionals are still learning about it. And really by everyday people, you know, people don't understand that, Hey, a suitcase falls off um, and just barely knocks you in the head. That can cause a concussion. You don't, or, or, you know, you go and you have a little bit of a fall and you don't hit your head. You can still get a concussion. Yeah, absolutely. You do not have to be hit in the head in order to get a concussion. Well, and so like, there's so many things that I'm seeing now that, you know, for me, like I, I, for whatever reason, I've never really dove into exactly like the cellular components of like what concussion is. And I think that's probably still a bit misleading because we can't see certain things. The concussion is very symptom treat. Like it's diagnosed via symptoms usually short of bleed mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah. um, it, my understanding is that it's just the shearing of uh, shearing or stretching of, of the gray matter, gray and white matter inside of the brain. And how do you protect that? Like how, you know, I'm sure there's certain things, certain things in training helmets can maybe absorb certain things, but like, how do you stop the gray and white matter inside the brain from shearing? Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, so helmets can help a little bit. And some of the research too is showing that some cervical stability, you know, if you can control your neck better. Um, Cause what happens is like when that, you know, brains on the brainstem there and it goes forward and then back and, it's that force right there, like you're mentioning, that shearing force and that brain's essentially hitting inside the skull, causing um, the trauma, and that's what's causing that injury, which you cannot see, obviously. Like you said, it's symptoms that are being reported, and that's how a lot of it's diagnosed. Um, yeah, so you know some of the signs and symptoms of a concussion, which I think are really vital for people to know, like how do I know if I had a concussion? Um, headaches, neck pain. Uh, visual changes, especially double vision is, is big weakness in the arms, legs, tingling in the arms, legs. If you're vomiting, um, any seizures, especially if you lose consciousness. I mean, if you're, even if it's for a split second, you lose consciousness, you don't have to, but if you do, I would say that's very likely that you just had a concussion. Um, so, you know, and then where do you, where do you go from there? So I think you really need to make sure that you go and see a physician and get formally diagnosed and then potentially put into rehab. So what a lot of people don't know too, is that if those symptoms don't decrease within the first like three days, physical therapy can help a concussion, which is pretty mind blowing um, to a lot of people, but there are specific therapists that are trained in concussion management and dealing with those signs. And especially if it's after a week, if you're still having headaches and stuff, you need to get in and get seen because those symptoms aren't going to get better on their own, uh, especially after a week to 10 days. So 
um, making sure you're getting in and getting examined, getting the treatment that you need so that way it doesn't persist. Because if you're a student athlete as well, academic performance can for sure be, uh, be hit. And so, you know, I'm not sure if that affected you necessarily, but a lot of your student athletes in there and you need to let teachers know, like if kids are in high school and they had a concussion, let the teacher know that they had a concussion because they might need to be taken out of school for the first couple days because, you know, visual and um, loud noises can affect them and they're not going to get the grades that they need. Uh, right. And it's not fair to them. I remember being in, it must've been my junior year when everything kind of like the whole concussion thing just really piled up on me and, and changed the way I was playing hockey. Wasn't able to play. Uh, I kind of ignored, you know, I was stubborn. So I just kind of ignored a lot of things, kept training through it. And um, that's one point though, that now I'm seeing that what they're finding through research is that they actually want to introduce exercise uh, for lack of better terms. Um, but exercise earlier on uh, where they're finding that actual exercise helps or promotes uh, maybe a quicker recovery, more efficient or effective recovery, which is mind-blowing because just five years ago, maybe less, they're talking about, nope, you are, you are not doing anything to raise your heart rate. And, and the headaches via heart rate raising is, is one of the symptoms of saying, like, we're not recovered yet. So that's pretty crazy to me. But when you bring up the schooling side effects, uh, whether it's school, it's a career, um, it's working with your kids, like whatever it might be, those things are like, I found out firsthand how, how real the psychological effect, um, um, effects of a concussion can be and they linger. Uh, you know, I still yep. deal with a lot of these things. I think that a lot of the issues I struggle with were probably, um, probably there from a child, but I've also been getting concussions since I was eight. I can remember the first one I got at least in hockey, uh, you know, yep. and, and it's just, it's scary to think that putting that in like just your regular, you know, childhood upbringing environment, whatever it might be, meshing those two together yeah. is a recipe for disaster. I've struggled with the suicide, the addiction, you know, um, the self-esteem, all these things. But then you look at school, like concentration, lights used to bother me. I remember being more than a week out of a concussion at Grand Valley, getting off the bus between like Lake Michigan Hall and whatever it was, I don't even remember anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but like walking in, in the middle of winter and being like, I'm, I'm burning up. I can't see straight. I sat on a bench without my coat on in the middle of a Grand Rapids winter and just sat there. Yeah. And I, can't, I can't go to class. Like, I cannot do it right now. Um, and that kind of was the beginning of like, oh, shit. We, uh, there might be something more wrong than we originally thought. And, and here we are probably, I don't know, what, eight years later, and I'm, I'm still yeah. really trying to figure it out. Um, but I can, I can firsthand appreciate it, you know, from, from the experience that, like, it's – those things are very, very real. Uh, but I'm glad, glad you said that about PT or you know, physical therapy being able to help uh, concussions and recovery. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people don't think because the common treatment is rest. Rest, no yeah. activity, sit in a dark room, what, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, maybe so, just first, like what kind of treatments you or what types of treatments you guys work with. Yeah, so first 48 hours, rest is needed. Uh, make sure you're monitor, monitoring the person, having someone watch over them. But then after that, like you said, slowly uh, start reintroducing activities and including exercise can help to promote that healing better versus just constant rest uh, has been shown to be ineffective. So um, some things that we do, you know, we go through a very systematic approach. There's a lot that's going on. Um, so you could have vertigo that goes on with it. Does that need to be treated? Are you getting dizzy? Um, that can 
be due to some crystals that are in your ear that gets dislodged and that can actually be a fairly easy fix. And then working on some tracking, how are you tracking objects with your eyes, uh, all of that. So there's a lot that can go into that. Uh, so it can be very specific. Even with that, like, you know, I know now with a lot of, a lot of athletes, at least uh, student athletes in particular, they run the baseline test. They have to take a yep. test at the beginning of the season, more reaction time, yep. things. The scat. Right. So that way, you, yeah, it's it, like, I think that's a great idea, but unfortunately it's not implemented everywhere. You know, like it. So more and more schools are introducing it for athletes, but obviously, like you said, like if you didn't take the tests at the beginning of the year, or that baseline test, then you don't know what your score is going to be. So um, if you are in the school system, I highly recommend taking that test. Um, and if you are, are in it and they don't offer it, I highly recommend pressuring your coaches and your staff to get on that. And because um, if they don't have it, honestly, they're behind the times and they really need to implement that test. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ludicrous. And you just brought up the coaches stand like side of things like that's that's almost as frustrating as it is like with parents right now. And, uh, you know, I used to coach 10 year old hockey players and going through experience I went through, I'm like, trust me, like number one, if you guys made it to the NHL, you're, you're defying odds right now. But secondly, <laughs> you're 10 years old and you have a whole bunch more that you need to figure out. And if you're getting a concussion at 10, there's a good chance that we're going to be seeing some repeat effects here. Um, yeah. so, you know, parents used to get mad at me. Like if I saw the kid just even hit his head, like, you know, big hit type thing. It was like, you're going to sit for at least 10 minutes. Like you're just going to sit before I even come talk to you really. Cause we, I'm not playing around with this crap. Uh, no. it, it's the rest of your life and parents just yeah. get mad at me and I'd have to explain to them like, listen, maybe I'm being a little bit too cautious, but this is your kid. <laughs> like, that's brain. Yeah. Last time I checked, we have not perfected the brain transplant yet. So go, go, go check out and ask some of those NFL players who, you know, rack them up how, how they feel about it now. And, you're getting different answers every day in terms of like more people are saying, no, I wouldn't have gone back out there because it totally changed your life. Like you said. So, and then you mentioned some of the repercussions that concussions can have um, once you get one. So some of the other research that they've done actually is on how do concussions affect performance and risk for other injuries. So specifically lower body injuries and what they're finding is a one and a half to three fold in, increase in risk of an injury um, to the lower extremity. So whether that's ankle sprains, whether that's knees, ACL tears, that's a whole nother epidemic. And what's to the, think now you're dealing, what was that? What's the percentage on that? 1.6 to 2.9 times higher likelihood of injury to the lower body. Um, yeah. So they don't necessarily know the correlation, but the best guess obviously is that, you're not moving the way that you should be moving and your body's still trying to figure out the whole motor function aspect. And then you step wrong, you, you sprain your ankle or you step wrong and you tear your ACL because most ACL injuries are non-contact, uh, as we know. So football players, yes, you get an ACL injury more than likely. It's not when they're being hit. It's when they go to make a turn or they plant and pivot and yeah. And the sad, the sad thing about the ACL injuries is that's a whole nother topic, but those are com very preventable if you are doing the right training. And I tell you what, um, it's really unfortunate that we got some schools out here who 
we got schools that are implementing uh, programs, which is great, and you're seeing that decrease in injuries. And then you got other schools where they're not doing that training, and you're getting so many kids with these injuries that are now going to affect them honestly for the rest of their lives. I mean, your increase for osteoarthritis goes up and a total knee replacement, as well as psychological aspects. The kids just now going to miss out on a full year of sports and everything that goes with that surgery and that rehabilitation. I mean, it's rough. It's not easy. Oh yeah, man. And, and like, that's a, one of those things that I think this is a great segue out of, of head injuries into, into, you know, what we wanted to talk about more, more specifically was corrective movement and, and how we move, but you just kind of nailed it. When you start looking at the high school level where the, the tra- outside of sport training um, starts to really become a real aspect of the athlete. Uh, why do we not have more qualified strength conditioning coaches in the high school is beyond me. Um, but I just had this conversation the other night in the gym with somebody we've been working on their squat for a little time. And, and I, I'm one of those people that like, I don't have a whole bunch of certifications, but I, I feel like I know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, you know, like I've been around it for a long time. I do a lot of promotion for my own education. And like I talk to people that I think are really smart and we're talking about, one of my least favorite cues, in fact, I, I hardly ever use it short of it being a completely novice person, uh, knees out. I think it's one of the like, most childish and lazy cues ever. The knees out cue should be directed from the foot or the hip, right? Like if you take care of the, the hip, the, the center of your body and the ground, the contact with, with the earth, you'll, you'll take care of your knees just fine. And we started talking about the squat and the question was, well, when I squat, I'm quad dominant. Okay, well, technically, yeah, the quad should be dominant because it's got more muscles, right? It, can, it absorbs it fine. And I'm not even talking about bar path or anything like that. What I'm talking about is proper squat mechanic and the importance of hamstring and, and posterior chain in general to athletic development, prevention, performance. And in the way that you squat, your hamstring should be, should be trained. In, in like my knowledge to the hamstring, what they're there for is to really control that knee joint, to protect it, to – Obviously, they're the go muscles. They're, they're the performers. But if you don't train them to actually teach you to slow down, to uh, absorb the blow of the knee, the hip, the ankle, you're screwed as an athlete. And so all the more reason to come back full circle to why do we not have more, whether it's physical therapists, chiropractic, mm-hmm. people that are trained in the musculoskeletal system, injury, rehab, and prevention in the high school. Because if you start them there, Guess what makes it easier and our performance better when we go five years in college? Pros, whatever it might be. Like, it just it's like laying the foundation of anything. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's a big need. Obviously, a big part of that can be, you know, funding and everything like that. But having someone who, who definitely is experienced and knows what to look for, um, knows how to, you know, uh, you don't just go out there and just start squatting and you're going to start throwing up a ton of weight right? You need to make sure that before you start adding that weight, that are you able to tolerate um, resistance and are you able to show proper mechanics? Because if you're not, then okay, let's, let's back down and let's uh, kind of start from, you know, from step one here. And so there's a lot that definitely can go into the squat. It's, it's a lot more, uh, it seems pretty simple to a lot of people, but it's also there's a lot that goes into it. So like you said, I mean, that posterior chain is crucial to, uh, to a squat and not enough people, I feel like know how to train their posterior chain correctly and getting that, 
post your chain working, not just working quads, doing a bunch of knee extensions for sure is not going to translate to a good squat. Um, <laughs> you know, so people are thinking that, uh, but yeah, using the best research that's, uh, out there in terms of promoting good strength conditioning, corrective exercise. So one thing too, that I really hammer home with a lot of people is a lot of people still don't get like a proper warm up and influencing the motor patterns that you are about to use is huge. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to go out there and, okay, well, I'm going to foam roll that IT band for, uh, for a couple of minutes and then I'm going to go throw on 300 pounds of squats. Like, no, you didn't do anything right there. So, um, I know you're a big proponent of this, that IT band, it takes thousands of pounds of force to change it. I mean, whether you have a tight one or not, you're not going to change it with a foam roller. That's for sure. So you really need to look at, uh, the proper, like, how are you moving? What's causing that tightness? Why do you feel that tightness? Chances are if it's IT band. It's coming from the hip. It could be coming from the ankle it's <clears throat> coming from one of those. And, uh, yeah, definitely a dynamic warm up where you're moving through, you're not statically holding your stretch for like 30 seconds at a time. You can do those static holds afterwards. Um, and even then they're showing that that's not going to necessarily prevent injury. It's that dynamic warmups. Right. Huge. Well, and that's uh, you know, when I, when I coach a class or whether it's one-on-ones, whatever it might be, I always, I, I preach the same shit every time, you know, like how you move is far more important than what you move, whether yep. you're an athlete or not, like an athlete moving 100 pounds is far more impressive fast and properly than the athlete moving 500 pounds who can't take that into the arena. Like I don't care what you're doing. If you're not training properly, you're screwed up. Uh, like that, mm -hmm. just, that's just what it is. You know, like, and I've become the person that when P the other night uh, talking about well quad dominant and I've just become the guy that's like, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. Your squats lazy and people don't like hearing that, but at least it pins their ears yeah. off to be like, and then I have to walk it back and say, listen, there's times where my squats lazy and that's why I'm going backwards to work on it. I'm doing these things. I'm finding faults in whatever it might be. Um, but you just said you nailed it with the warm up. My warm up can take me longer than almost my entire workout, you know, training trunk, um, making sure that you're going through movements, not just going through them, but making sure that you are primed and moving properly. The proper step up, you're going to sprint, but you don't have a sprint warm up. Yeah. Weird. Like, are you pushing and driving opposite legs at some point during your warm up? Are you pulling? Are you teaching the hamstrings? Like be ready to do what we're doing. We're about to do right now, but we also right. from the trunk out, we have to start there too. Cause if you have no center of gravity or stability, you're screwed again. It's yep. mind blowing to me. And people don't like to hear it. They don't want to listen to it. But then yeah. like, once you finally get them to buy in one time, they go under the barbell that, you know, five minutes after that. And they're like, Oh shit, I feel a lot stronger. Oh, yeah. well, shocking. That's how that works. Huh? Like yeah. I can, I can yeah. tell this in my warm up how, how the rest of my workouts about to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and you'd be surprised, uh, the, and I'm sure you see this, uh, as well, but the amount of people, something that seems simple, but really there's a lot of components is a plank, simple plank exercise, super effective if done correctly. But there's so many people out there where it's like, I don't know what you're doing, but that's not the right plank or you really need to look at, and you can usually find in that too, when you're doing it, not doing it correctly. Well, that's where your problem lies right there. Um, well, it's, you know, so. the plank is one of my favorite things to teach. Uh, because I don't teach a plank. I always tell people like, listen, if you're just looking to hang on your elbows, by all means, go for the plank. Uh, but plank, yep. plank is like paper to me. 
and a pillar is the structural component of holding a building building together. So now we need yep. what we need to be is if you want to keep calling a plank, that's fine, but I'm going to make sure you're active. So we need to make sure that those elbows are drawn towards the hips, the belly button's pushed into the spine, the, the heels are externally rotated, the quads are squeezed, the butt squeezed, and now you have pr pretty much proper setup, even if you suck at it. You know, like, yeah. if, you, if you do all these things, you don't even have to know what the hell we're doing to be in the right position anymore, but also what you're doing is you're strengthening yourself, but you're preventing injury. More than likely, you're preventing injury and you're increasing performance. And like, yeah, you probably, it, it's you crazy. probably love those people who come to you and say, oh, well, I, I can do three minute, uh, three minute plank. Okay, well, let's uh, five set you up right now. Let's see killer, I'm like, I want to quit. I'm done. Like, I'm all set. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah. They don't get it. And I, like, I demo and I'm like, when I demo it to a class, I always, I get, I tell every, here's the components of it. And I say, watch within five to 10 seconds how my body's going to start shaking and wanting to shut down. Ready? Here we go. And I'm yeah. five seconds later, I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> That's the nervous system being primed, that your muscles having motor units sent to them, and, and now they're properly stimulated and ready to perform. It's all these things that, yes, a plank seems very easy, but as you said, there's a lot to this thing. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it's sad. Uh, but I guess there's, it's great for us because there's a lot of opportunity to teach and improve our career, our, you know, our status out there and educate, uh, which I think at the end of the day is something we're both passionate about. But um, and if everyone could move correctly and if everyone knew how to move, there's, there's nothing wrong with not knowing how to do certain patterns. There's nothing wrong at all. Um, I mean, we wouldn't have a job if everyone knew how to move correctly and everyone did everything 100%. Like things are supposed to be difficult and I don't move perfect. You don't move perfect. Like there's always imbalances you're trying to find, but having that professional, like you were saying, who can see that and know that what's going on and how to fix that and help you move better. It's going to help you perform better on and off the field or in and out of the gym. You're going to lift more weight. So yeah, it's and it's so easy as like you you think you're moving properly or you're doing you know a routine whatever movement properly. That's the easiest way to say it. And then you know I did this recently with my squat and a kettlebell swing of all things the kettlebell swing. And I'm I'm swinging the kettlebell and I'm like, this doesn't this isn't this is not right. And I, I videotaped. I'm like, oh my god, how long have I been not conscious with this movement right now? Because this sucks. I started snapping the knees back, popping the hip, and all of a sudden I'm like. Well, hamstrings are very underdeveloped in this movement because I've been really lazy with it. Last week, I, I videotaped my squat, and I'm, th I'm thinking, like, man, my squat's not moving, but it still feels okay. I videotaped, I'm like, you, okay, here we go. Take the weight down and start moving again because you, you've been not paying attention. Um, and so, like, coaches need coaches. Professionals need other professionals to cue them. It, so the willingness to be coached is always – I tell people when they come in one-on-ones, they're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, but the fact that you're willing to be coached is all I need. That's all I need. It's more fun for me. It's going to be more beneficial to you. Um, and I think it's like that in terms of like progress for anything, any part of life, like your willingness to learn and, and to be educated is, is kind of the answer to everything. But, um, you know, continue with that. That I know you, you say, uh, you've said that you, you spent a lot more time with like ACL uh, rehab and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What's preventatively what do you think is you know maybe the top couple couple ways of, of preventing it is there certain movements movement patterns that you see is there dynamic efforts that you're looking for or? yeah absolutely uh, the probably if I had to pick one movement pattern uh, to look at and to watch would be a single leg squat 
and watching how they control their trunk, how they control their body. Is that knee collapsing? Can they do that correctly? And if they can't, you'll see them all over the place or they can't balance or that knee's shifting and in and out and all over. Um, they're at risk. Uh, if they haven't had one yet or they haven't had any lower body injuries, chances are they're probably going to get one soon. So one tool that we use um, that we use at Novacare Rehabilitation, it's called the Dorsa V Athletic Movement Index, and we use sensors and video. So we hook sensors up to their body and take them through a number of movements, one of them being a single leg squat, another being a plank. It's a whole series of them. It's a tough test, and uh, it breaks down how well they move. So not only can you use that for injury prevention, but also for to improve performance and motor control and get them set up on a specific plan. So um, we're using that not only with Grand Valley Division II athletes. We use it with the New England Patriots, New York Giants, Detroit Lions, um, some MMA fighters. We're using that in uh, quite a few professional settings, and the research coming out on it's all very positive and showing a decrease in injury in um, college, collegiate, professional, and high school athletes. So it's pretty uh, pretty cool stuff. Well, it seems like it's working a lot better for the New England Patriots and maybe the the Giants and the yeah. Lions. But that's uh, we'll digress there. Um, when you say single leg squat, uh, in what in what standard are you working? Are you thinking like if we're going into like a bodybuilding style, like a Bulgarian, Bulgarian split squat, or we thinking CrossFit? Yeah. Are we- no, so just so um, I can kind of here. I'll stand up and kind of demonstrate it. I'll do a little demo quick. But so you can see me all right. Um, so a lot of people think of the pistol squat. You just want that uh, leg that's not your stance leg, okay? Just kind of by your side, not in front of you. Maybe even a little behind you. And you're simply going down and then back up. You don't have to go super low or anything like that it's just simple simply down and up and how well can your trunk control that how well how much is your knee going in and out is your ankle you know are you losing balance what's your ankle doing so we're i'm looking at all those components when i do that i love it yeah and so will you guys ever see that uh, will you ever test it with like the back leg the the non-dominant leg in that in that movement uh oh yeah we test we test both of them yeah, but would, yeah. You, would you see that back leg supported, or is it always like just you're holding it behind you or, or just off? Um, no, we don't do it supported just because, um, you know, if you think about it in sports and stuff and when you're running, 40% of the time, you know, you got one foot down and that other foot's not supported. So it's just a better indicator. You're not going to completely replicate what happens out of the field. There's so many factors or even, you know, on the ice, whatever you're doing, there's so many factors that happen there externally so you I, I really don't want them supported as far as that back leg for a bulgarian squat great thing to train but in terms of looking at uh that movement pattern yeah yeah absolutely like with the diagnostic side of things i assume, I assume that you're looking for more of uh the significance of, of single leg i mean most sports are played on one right. leg in, in, in their true yeah um that and you're saying all this stuff and i'm sitting there thinking about all the warm-ups i do you know, a single leg deadlift where you're really trying to keep, you know, one the hip square to the ground and actually control through the knee, that hip, the ankle, and, and just training, even in a warm up before you go to a bilateral movement, the, the, the positive result or it, the empowerment of the practice and the in warm up with single leg, unilateral yeah. movements, build your bilateral movements. Uh, mm-hmm. Performance is unheard of with it. Uh, but even now you're talking prevention. You know, like in prevention to me is performance. Oh yeah. They go hand, they go hand in hand. If you don't move well and you don't really perform that well, 
your odds of her are going up. So right. which really is do. wild to me that again we come full circle. The the fact that warm up is kind of everything there. And and like you said it earlier with the you know we would call it a cool down in the gym, and it's something that I personally have started to take a lot more seriously and what the cool down looks like. But I was reading, um, I took a cert in in. Um, most of the people on here know that I'm, I'm very strong with the uh, power athlete community and they teach yeah. very, very similar to what like you're talking about. It's all about how do we get uh, the gym to transfer to the field, the arena, whatever it might be that you're in. Exactly. Uh, like, that's the whole purpose of like gym training. It's not to be the strongest. Obviously, if you uh-huh. want, that's important, but like the best mover, the most explosive, the fastest to understand your body in, in, in space those are the things that really make you the best athlete. It's not that the athlete that bench press 600 pounds, it doesn't matter if he's the old lineman and can bench press. If he doesn't have a nice pop off of the, off the ball, he's not effective. And to me, right. that's nice and warm up. How do you prime the system? But some of it comes down and cool down to me. Like, you know, uh, I read that there's like, it takes like four minutes to get of, of stretching even just to get the, the nervous system to start its cool down process versus like, if you let the nervous system do it itself, it takes like four hours. And I tell all my, like, even if that's wrong, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, doing some kind of cool down at the end of your warm up is your workout is bad for you. It's not. Uh, but like I think about it, if I go home from hockey late at night and I don't do anything afterwards, I can't sleep. It's like, well, yeah, your nervous system is jacked the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're, you're wired right yeah, now. No, um, I, I think, too, uh, as far as like the research goes on recovery and what is a proper cool down and what do we need to do? I think there's, um, a huge lack of research there. I think we really need to, um, focus on that and, and find something that is scientifically proven. Cause I think, I think it is huge. I think you're right. And you know, you got different things out there like cryotherapy, for example, which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's interesting that there, you know, not a whole lot of research. So if it works for you, great. I'm not going to tell you don't do it as long as it doesn't hurt you. But, um, the research out there on on that stuff isn't good. But so, so what is good what's going to help you then perform better the next day? Um, and I think you're looking at a lot of things. I think you're looking at research. I think you're looking at nutrition. I think you're looking at, um, a proper cool down for the body in terms of movement, stretching. Um, what does that look like? So, there's a lot to be done, I think, right there. Absolutely. And you, you just nailed it. Uh, regardless of the movements post-exercise, post it, it's not it's, – as much as it is what you do in the gym or at your sport, it, it's very much what you're doing at home. And this is something I've struggled with. I think every, it's not me. It's everybody's oh, yeah. things. But, like, nutrition and sleep are your pillars. Like you, yeah. you, I mean, you, you screw up sleep, and you might as well be walking around with concussion. You know, like yeah. you, you, your brain's not firing properly which means the rest of your body's not firing properly. And I'm guilty of this, but then you try and train and then you're pissed off when you don't train or you don't feel as well. And you're like, the statistics are out there. When sleep is screwed up, you're screwed up. It, yeah. You can't argue these things. You can't go against what that's saying because it just look, you don't need, you don't need a research article to do it. Deprive yourself of sleep for two days and go train. See how you feel. See how you, yeah. recover, how you perform see if you get injured. It, it's wild to me. And it's something that I don't do well. I keep a weird schedule, but I also recognize that when I'm hurt, I'm like, well, I'm asking, make sure you sleep, make sure you get some proper nutrition in there. You know, you're, you're the one screwing this thing up. It's not some, you know, serendipitous event that's happening out there. Like you are writing the recipe for this thing. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you right there. Sleep's huge. 
we don't get it. We don't get enough of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I get like six hours a night on average, which is not enough uh, at all. So it's um, like one and a half full cycles, you know, like of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely, we, we need to do more of it. Um, I'm guilty of it, but then, yeah, like you said, nutrition, I mean, it's nutrition's huge. You, you gotta put the right stuff in your body to fuel it. It absolutely is. Well, Bonnie, I, well, Bonnie, I keep calling you by your nickname from college, man. Asking, we call him Bonnie. We'll keep it for other stories, but um, I know we're trying to keep this kind of short today. I know that you and I are probably trying to team up here in the future. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Anybody that's listening, uh, be on the lookout for some stuff. Eric and I, uh, Doctor Eric Broadworth, <laughs> are trying to. Yeah put some stuff together to hopefully improve your life, your, your athletic performance, whatever it is for, uh, that you're trying to achieve and you come back from injuries. But, um, before I ask you kind of one final question here, it, tell everybody where they can find you, what you have coming up. Obviously I kind of just broke the seal on maybe some things that we're doing, but yeah. uh, you've got a ton of stuff going on. You're a busy man and, and you're dedicated to what you do and you're passionate about it. So express that. Yeah. Yeah, got a we got a lot uh, going on here. Um, like I said, looking forward to working further with you. Um, everyone needs to keep an eye out on that. But right now, they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or my website, Fuel Physical Therapy and Sports Performance. For my website, that's just www.fuelphysicaltherapy.com. Um, and then on Facebook, it's at uh, facebook.com slash fuel physical therapy. And then Instagram, it's just uh, Dr. Eric Broadworth, PTDPT. So you can find me on all three platforms. I'm trying to consistently put uh, content out there. Also got some stuff on YouTube, um, but I, I put that all out on uh, Facebook as well. So yeah, you can find me there. And then yeah, looking forward to teaming up with you in the future with some pretty cool online stuff uh, coming up. And so people need to keep a lookout for that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. And for anybody that's uh... – I can't remember those links. They will be posted somewhere on Instagram or my Facebook site, whatever it is. We'll, we'll make sure we have these out there for you guys. Uh, Eric, dude, I, I love what you're doing. I think uh, your passion is obvious when you when you step up to the plate for the Facebook Lives and stuff. We were talking about this offline. It's just a very uncomfortable thing in, in, uh, yes. in a world that uh, is full of judgment. Um, I, I thank you for, for putting yourself out there because you, you are truly passionate about what you're trying to do and um, just trying to make – people feel better and live a better quality of life. So um, thank you very much for joining me. One final question for you. Uh, I told you this was probably coming, but um, I'm trying to ask this to everybody Uh, for yourself or for your patients, your athletes, whatever it might be. What does it mean for you to live a life well done? Yeah. So that's a great question. So I think a life well done for me um, personally is how many people that uh, can I help and impact uh, and make a positive difference on, I, th- I think just bringing some positivity in the world. Um, however that may be, whether it's helping them physically or, um, maybe through a tough mental state or whatever it is to me, if I can make that impact positively on someone, I think that's what living life well done is all about. So I think you're doing a good job with that too. I, I appreciate you having me on here and, uh, yeah, looking forward to working with you. It would be, it's awesome, dude. And a great answer. Uh, I felt like that was going to probably be uh, somewhere around what the answer was going to be there. So um, keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully next time we do this, we'll do it in person. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it'd be cool. But uh, I will be sure to push out the links. And yeah, dude, I'm, I'm glad we got to catch up and talk uh, nerdy for a little bit here. Uh, we yeah. Usually, usually we're like hanging friends like over beers and stuff. Nobody wants to hear us talk, so we don't, we don't get to. 
<laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. That yeah, no, sounds good. You, man, so I'll let you get going, but uh, we'll talk very soon and, and buckle up because the winter's probably going to get rough here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to, it's just starting, so. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll talk to right. you. Thanks again. Yeah, see ya. Thanks.